0: Hey hey! What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number four seventy six, and today we are going to be doing another hot seat session. And this one is uh, is going to be is going to be fun, Chris, because we're going to be talking all about uh, the ten by ten by one criteria markets. Should we go into a market if we can only sell, you know, cert, you know, in a certain time, or maybe just a one off sale? That's kind of the stuff we're going to talk about. So you ready to rock and roll, Chris? I
1: am ready to rock and roll. I'm fired up this morning, brother. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm chomping at the bit, if you will. I'm finally feeling kind of 100% again, and I'm ready to kind of dive in, do some podcast stuff. Crush out some stuff for the new brand and some of the cool stuff we have for TAS. So if you want to jump into this, I'm game if you are.
0: Yeah, I, I am. And I'm glad that you're feeling better because I've been dealing with your cough for the past like month and a half, it seems like. And uh, oh, it's still there. And Skype is working for us now. So that's always good. So I think it's going to be a good episode, to be honest with you. Oh, now you're setting expectations. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's uh, let's get right to it. Like I said, this this question came in. Actually, it was a it was a full length email. And rather than me just answer them one off, I said, you know what? Let's do this as a hot seat, as we've done in the past. A lot of people, uh, you know, that listen love the hot seats. And this one here is a little bit different because I titled it, "My product doesn't meet criteria of the ten by ten by one. What should I do?" And that's where we're going to start, but there's some other questions that kind of came through as well. Before we do dive in, let me just say that uh, the 10 by 10 by one is something that we use as our criteria. Now, this does not mean that you have to stick to this 10 by 10 by one. And I guess I should probably, Chris, explain what the 10 by 10 by one is, if you guys are new, if you haven't heard me talk about it before, but basically what it is, is we're finding low Competition products, as far as like, you know, they don't have a lot of competition because they're selling 10 sales a day. They're only selling 10 units a day. So a lot of the tools out there that people are looking at, they want to see them get 20 sales a day or 50 sales a day. And generally, if they have 10 sales a day. That means that the reviews are less, so that's less that we have to compete with. So that's why we like that. That's our framework. That's kind of like what we start with, but we've found in the new brand that we shoot for 10 by 10 by one, which is 10 sales a day, $10 profit per unit for one product. Okay. So that's the 10 by 10 by one. We also talk about, you can get to a hundred dollars per day using that exact model. But here's the thing. We've used that criteria and we've found products that now do 30 a day. Or 50 a day, in some cases, hundred a day, depending on the time of year. So that's where we start because that's like our baseline. But does that mean that we, you know, only stick to that? And the answer is not really. So now that I've kind of explained the 10 by 10 by one, Chris, why don't you, uh, maybe distill down that email and kind of give us the first question. And then we can kind of move through that.
1: So the, the big question that we have here, and if I butcher your name, I apologize in advance. I believe it's Beryl, like Merrill. Um, if I'm if I'm crushing that, email us angrily and let me know. But <laughs> as you guys know, Scott and I suck with multisyllabic names. I can say
0: the word. Ooh, that was nice. I don't know what the I, heck that was. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Scott, it's 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 words <laughs> with multiple <laughs> syllables, right? <laughs> Hey, I can Chris. say big words, but I can't I can't pronounce names. So that You are is sounding smart,
0: my friend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that's a first. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not great with names, but I can sound really smart butchering them. So I'm going with Beryl, and if we get your name wrong, I apologize. But basically, the big problem that we have here is she has two giant touch lists mm. right now, and she has a market that has a ton of potential products. Some of them are really competitive. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like any of the products that hit the 10 by 10 by one criteria in terms of sales, Scott are going to meet that same criteria in terms of like the reviews. So they're going to be a little more competitive, but there are a lot of those products out there. So they wanted to get our thoughts on starting with three SKUs Mm -hmm. of four by 10 by one, obviously launching one at a time because I would never suggest that people launch multiple products all at once. We've done that. It's not fun. Um, even with multiple people on the team, not something I would suggest, but launching them in rapid succession is usually okay. So starting with four by 10 by one, so four sales a day at $10 profit for each SKU, (coughs) and then having a couple different styles in each of those to push them over the 10 by 10 by one. So basically is it okay to launch products knowing that they're going to have less than 10 sales a day? that's kind of what I'm getting out of that. Yeah. Is that the same read that you gave to that email?
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. And and here's what I would say to that. Okay. First off, I want to know, are they consistent sales every single day for, is that like the minimum, right? Because if it is, then yeah, why not? Right. Like you're still doing $10, you know, a unit, like you're still making 10 bucks and it's for, it's for sales. So that's 40 bucks. We get three products. We're over that, right? So I have no problem with that. And we've actually looked at that ourselves. If you have, like we have one product that has now four SKUs, uh, almost, uh, we're almost at six SKUs. Uh, We keep adding, uh, but you know, there's some that do, you know, 20, 25 a day. And then there's some that do three a day. Are we going to get rid of those? No because they're still profitable and it's part of that skew in a sense, or that, that, uh, parent child relationship. So why not? Um, and you know, I think the big thing here also to note, because we know the market, you know, we, we know the market cause they, they told us and we're not going to air it here on the podcast, but my first thing also would be is look at finding a sub part of that market. Okay. Or really start tailoring your, your product line to, to fit that one part of that market. So we've used the example before fishing, right? I think this is a good example. We have fishing. So you have all different types of fishing. Well, let's go with bass fishing. So there's people that are, you know, they got bass boats and, you know, they're in these tournaments and they've got all their bass gear, right? Let's take it one step further and we can now, and we actually, we learned this by doing a coaching call uh, or a hangout in our class is there's kayak bass fishing tournaments. So you see how we just, we went from fishing, which was broad. Then we went to bass fishing, which went a little bit, you know, a little bit, you know, we drilled down a little bit further and then we drilled down a little bit further than that went the kayak bass fishing. So the exact same thing. So barrel, I would look at that number one, that's where I would, and I wouldn't just settle on the four by 10 by one. um, But I would go start going down that path, right? How can you figure out a way to angle, you know, or, or kind of get yourself positioned to where you're, you're really targeting that particular part. That doesn't mean Chris, can you hear that big truck going by right now? It's kind of loud. Um, can you keep it down out there? Um, so uh, yeah so what we what we got to do here is we want to really just figure out how we can uh, find products that, that really fit that part of the market. Then the cool thing is and we'll talk a little bit more about this is then we can start to expand into those other those other ones that we might have skipped over and we can start to go wider in that market. So I know I went a little bit off track there on the 10 by 10 by one and the four by 10 by one type thing, but I want I want you to look a little bit further before you settle on the four by 10 by one. I'm not opposed to it, by the way. Um, I think it's great to fill out your product brand and go wider versus deep. So I'm not opposed to it as long as they're consistent sales. Chris?
1: I kind of feel the same way on that, Scott. I think there are, there is going to be products that meet that 10 by 10 by one criteria, but If you've, if you've looked around, if these are easy products for you to launch, I have no problem with that. And the two things that I would take a look at Scott is, is there ability to expand into higher volume products, right? Are there other products that meet 10 by 10 by one? Well, we know for a fact that there are in this market, if we can take those products that get us that four by 10 by one and use the list that we build and those kinds of things to help us be able to launch those more competitive products then that's a checkbox in the right direction for me, right? Even if we're only selling four a day on those, those products up front. And then the other thing would be something that you just touched on, which is, can we scale those products with variations? And from the email, it sounds like there is a handful of variations that we could add to each of these. You know, she said having a couple different styles to push me over the 10 by 10 by one in each of those SKUs, And I think as long as you're doing that, it's okay. The thing that I would caution with anytime you're adding variations is, Adding a variation while it's slightly less complex than launching an entirely new product does still add complexity to the business, right? From a business standpoint, you're essentially adding a new product, right? You can test it a little bit easier. You can launch it a little bit easier, but you, it's another thing that you have to try to keep in stock and there's a lot of positives to it. But if we're trying to keep a business as, least complex as possible. That's a terrible way of phrasing that, but you guys understand what I'm going for. (laughs) Uh, We're trying to make a business as simple as possible. Then anytime we add one of those variations, it does add complexity. So it's no different than launching another product that would meet 10 by 10 by one on its own. That being said, I think variations, especially in a situation like this, Scott are extremely powerful. Some of the variations that we've added, we added knowing that they were only going to add four or five sales potentially a day for us, but we added them so that they were there. And what ends up happening when you do that is one, you're able to drive more traffic 2 you're able to a lot of times increase conversion rates. The only way that that works, though, is if you're using the parent child correct type of a listing, right, where we're saying, okay, we have the blue, the red and the green. Everybody can see them. They're all on one listing under a parent child relationship rather than on three different listings. And the reason for that is people who come in on the black one might actually really like the purple one. Exactly. And so if they only saw the black, they'd bounce back. Uh, or what Google calls pogo sticking, right? They'd see the listing, they'd click the back button without looking at anything else, and then they'd look for a purple one Mm. in the search results. If we have them on the page, they see that there's a purple one, we have that ability to capture them. So as long as you can scale out with variations and you can scale up to some additional products, you can use all of the momentum, both with money and the list and the market to get to some of those more competitive products fairly quickly, then I would say that it's definitely worth taking a look at. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with selling a product that only sells for a day as long as you know that it sells for a day.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. If you have, if you have 10 products that are doing four a day, who cares, right? At the end of the day, you know, you're, you're, you're having more sales because you have, you know, set up across, you know, just multiple products. It's not a problem. And actually, I think moving forward, that's going to be the model as far as like going wider and, and you know, taking your products and, uh, you know, going wider versus deep. Right. I'd rather have, you know, 300 or 500 units in stock versus having to have 3,000 of one, it's riskier number one, because if we run out of inventory, it's going to take us a while to get it back in maybe. And then the other thing is, is because we're riding on that one, um, everything kind of contributes and we're noticing that in the new brand. And, uh, and that's really our goal here moving forward in 2018 is really to try to add at least one new SKU a month whether that's a variation ad or whether that's a brand new SKU. Um, So, and we're seeing exactly that. Now, one thing I do want to highlight here on the variations, because I think it's worth noting, is that when you have that variation, you also, like you said, Chris, you have a lot more opportunity to bring people in because some people might come in for one version, even on pay-per-click you can drive people to maybe, maybe one of those SKUs or one of those variations is less. Maybe the variation is a three pack versus a five pack. Then you can use it to, to, uh, to really leverage that. Now, the other thing is, and this is something that we've actually had some success with is where if one, if one SKU goes out of stock and you still have stock in the other two or three, it keeps the listing live. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't take the listing and make it go kind of off. Offline, in a sense, where people go there and it says, you know, it doesn't even. It just says currently unavailable. It's better if it if it says, you know, a a a release date or or you know the time that it'll be available. That's better. But a lot of times, just say currently unavailable because if they don't have any inventory in in route, they can't say a projected time of when they think it's going to be there. So we've actually experienced that where we had one of our top sellers run out, and then we had the other one in stock, and that was helping us keep that listing going and live, and then. The other one came in and then the other one ran out. So it's kind of like they help balance each other. Um, there's, it's funny, Chris, I was just talking to uh, another mutual friend and uh, partner of ours, and uh, we were talking about the other brand um, that I don't really pay much attention to, but still brings in some, some money. Um, And we're, we're dealing with this right now with a product that has two variations. Um, And it's kind of like that, like a, like a three pack, five pack type thing. And um, you know, we're going to be out of inventory in about 30 to 40 days and we didn't plan properly. So what I said was you might want to secure one of the variations and just go out of stock on that one for 30 days. Right. And then the other one will keep the listing going. And then when that one starts to run out, then you plug the other one back in so we can kind of stagger those two. So we don't run out of inventory. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And I think that's one of the things, you know, really what we're getting at with variations is it's real estate, right?
0: Absolutely. It's yeah.
1: giving us more real estate and it's giving us more opportunity to get the sale. And that's always a good thing. I would always rather have two opportunities or three opportunities to get a sale than I would with one. And I feel the same way. And Scott, people ask us this question too. You know, if I rank number one in my for all my major keywords, should I still run PPC? And my answer to that is yeah. <laughs> right? I'd rather have two spots on that page than just one same thing. Once we get them to the listing, right? I want to have as many opportunities to sell them on something as I can possibly get. So variations for me are extremely, extremely powerful. And I think it's something that everybody should consider, especially if you're one of those people, Scott, that says, I don't have any other product ideas, right? Mm -hmm. I'm selling something that's selling 15, 20 a day. And I think there's a market here, but I don't know what else to sell. Well, is there another color? Is there another size? Can you do a two pack, right? It's not gonna detract from your current sales. It's gonna help increase that in ninety-nine percent of cases. Yeah. Nobody's gonna not buy because you have another option. Right.
0: No, the worst thing that
1: happens is, is a test.
0: It's gonna give you more opportunity. And a lot of times with the variations, what we like to try to do is just a smaller quantity, right? Like there's one right now that we have two new SKUs coming in that is that they're variations. And we don't know if they're going to sell because we just we're 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 kind of assuming that they will, but we don't know hundred percent. So we just said 250 of each and we'll see what happens. And then if they sell through, they do, they run out of inventory. We're fine with that because we've got four other variations on that same listing that, you know, it's going to keep things active. Um, so I just want to stress that that you you want to try not to run out of inventory if at all possible. We've seen what it does when you run out; and it's not fun. Uh, you can get back kind of quickly, especially if you have an email list and stuff like we do. But it's just not fun because you're looking back at the lost sales the, that that report that we don't like looking at, and it's uh, it's alarming um, at to what you could have made if you had inventory in. So um, that can be bad. But all right, so. Let's kind of move through this a little bit more. Um, Now, the other question was, I believe, from Beryl was, uh, you know, this market, I really like this market. I want to be in this market. And I'm just not sure, though. Like, I can't sell them things, you know, for the next 10 years. Like, it might be something that we sell them, you know, once. Or, you know, maybe during that period of time in their life. Like, if if someone's a, a senior in high school, right. And you're selling a senior in high school, certain things. Well, once they graduate, they might not need you anymore. Right. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I've, I've dealt with this with my son and stuff. It's like, um, you know, recruiting, right. You get, you've got people that they, they offer services to help you create a recruiting video. Right. And so they'll, they'll charge you for that. And, you know, they'll help you maybe get connections and stuff. But once you, you've got your college locked up now, what? right? So now what do I offer you? Well, you could offer them things for when they're in college for the first time, right? So you could, you could grow with them and build that brand to do that. But I don't necessarily think that you have to in this, in this case, I think there's enough products to go really wide. And I also think then you can create these relationships with other partners that you could just become an affiliate for their products and have some nice relationships. And I think you could make a ton of money doing that. I really do. Uh, What's your thoughts on that, Chris?
1: So before we jump into that, I wanted to point out one other thing, Scott, about this four by ten by one. Okay. Uh, knowing what the market is, and this it doesn't matter what your market is, make sure you're taking a look at this. This is probably the slow season for that market. Mm. Yeah, it could be. Even even given the fact that they're in Australia, <laughs> right? Right. Like, right. It, again, I don't know, you know, I don't know what the weather is like. I don't know if it's the same type of a trend that you would see in the U.S. If if they're looking in the U.S. market. But I can tell you right now in the U.S. market, this is a slow season for this type of a product. So make sure that that four by 10 by one is just right now. I right? agree. I and agree. There I agree. may actually be a lot of upside in the next few months where you're hitting 10 by 10 by one. That's important for two reasons. One, we might be able to get to 10 by 10 by one with those products and two for inventory planning. Mm if we know that the demand is going to double, we need to plan for that up front mm-hmm. so that we don't sell out when people are hot. Right. And it's, it's one of the biggest struggles in any physical products business, right, is, is trying to keep inventory in stock and keep turnaround time. And you're going to run out at some point. It's generally not something that you can 100% prevent. We ordered a heck of a lot more inventory for Q4 than we thought we were going to need. And then Q1 didn't slow down. So we ran out, right? Like, but knowing if it's going to increase and how much it's going to increase and being able to look at tools like Google Trends and Camel, Camel, Camel to kind of forward project what might happen in March, April, May and June. We're recording this uh, in January is extremely important, right? So that, that was one thing that I, that I wanted to keep
0: in mind. Yeah, well, let's um, let's let's finish on that. But let's let's also mention this. Like we're talking you're only looking at sales data from Amazon right? And you're looking at it for a specific time maybe, and you haven't done that history and stuff. But what if we go out there and build our email list? What if we start you know, really reaching more influencers in our space? We could probably say we could triple or quadruple or even 10X that number, right? For sure. Because now we're able to take all of our traffic and either direct them to Amazon or direct them to our own web property. So I think that's the worst case would be the four, And I think that, you know, if they're buying them there, then they're probably buying them over here. And if we can then get the attention of the market that are interested, then we can probably assume that we're going to be able to take that four and make it 10. Um, That's my thoughts anyway on that. I, I, I agree with you though, too. I think you got to look at the, at the data in in the past on just the Amazon side of things, even look at Google trends and stuff. Right. But I think that that four would probably be low. Um, So that would be my thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. So diving, Scott, diving back into the, the one-time sale thing, mm-hmm. I think this is kind of a, a misnomer, I think, for a lot of people. There are a lot of markets where you think that it's a one-time sale,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? But a one-time sale is not necessarily a one-time sale. I can't think of anything outside of maybe a house, which is less and less of a, a one-time sale. I'm going to stay somewhere for 30 years, right? That is truly a, uh, you buy it once in your lifetime thing, right? And so even just within that market, there's reasons other than the main reason that you would buy this that I could think of to market this product, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But beyond that, a one-time sale on that specific product, let's just assume that everybody only bought this product once, right? They only bought a bass fishing kayak one time. They're not going to buy one in three years. They're not going to buy one in five years. They're not going to buy one as a gift for anybody else ever. They only buy that one time. Well, we can still get other sales from them right while they're hot by selling them the fishing net, by selling them the fishing rod, by selling them the bait, by selling them the tackle box, by selling them all of the complimentary things that they'll need both when they buy the bass fishing kayak and down the road, right? The things they'll buy more frequently. They're going to buy bait more frequently than they're going to buy a kayak. So I want to take a look outside of the initial product and see if there are complementary things that they can buy so that I can increase my average cart value or my average sale. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what a lot of people don't see. That's the other thing. You know, we talk a lot about this when, uh, you know, when when we kind of go through like, you know, figuring out products to to, to sell or a market to go into. And actually, you know, recently on episode 473, I did the new product discovery 24 hour challenge and those three action steps. And and we kind of go through that, uh, there as far as like discovering like a market, but then also discovering like products, like right off the bat, like without even hardly thinking about it. Now, if you have to work really hard to think about like what other products that they would buy, you probably aren't in the right market or you don't know a lot about that market. So you got to do a little bit more digging. Um, I will give a shout out, a little link here to that episode, because I think it's important that you guys go through this exercise. If you're at this stage, Um, that's the amazingseller.com forward slash 473. I also should highlight that we are actually going through or going to be going through this entire process in our product discovery bootcamp, which is brand new. And depending on when you're listening to this, We'll be opening to just a small group of people, a hundred people in our beta round here. And uh, we're going to be going through this exact process of really finding a market and then finding the products that are tied to that market or that can be served to that market. So uh, if you guys are interested in uh, getting on that early list or depending on when you're listening to this, it may be open go to productdiscoverybootcamp.com and I'll drop that in the show notes as well. Um, But that's really what we're talking about. Like going through this process and then figuring out the market. like let's say you do a touch list, which we talk a lot about, right? And then you're like grouping them into like, categories or markets. And you're like, okay, I touched my fishing rod and my tackle box today. Okay, cool. That's a market. You know, I brought my daughter to ballet dance. Okay. That's a market, right? So we've got those different categories and markets. Now you got to be able to look at that market and go, what products are they buying? If you can come up with three to five products right off top of your head, that's a good thing. You do a little bit more digging. You're going to, like you said, Chris, you're going to find 10, 15, 20 different products. Well, that one customer could buy all of them, or five of them, or whatever, and sometimes they'll buy more than one, so that's what you need to be thinking about, especially long-term, because we want to go wide, not so much deep, and we want to try to give them as many opportunities to give them exactly what they want for that thing that they're into, um, so that's my that's my thoughts on that, Chris. I, I think it's really important that people understand that, Yes, they might be buying a garlic press, but they could buy a gar- garlic peeler. They could also buy different accessories for cooking now because they are in that space. Right. We know that. Um, and so why not capitalize on, on you know, all of those other opportunities by giving them more of what they need and what they want? Makes no, sense. And I
1: think I, I think that's spot on. And I think the people where, where a lot of people drop the ball is they say, OK, you know, it has to be this thing that is super, super related to bass fishing. Right. Right but it might just be a more generic fishing product. Uh, you know, a fishing rod, they, they probably do make bass kayak bass fishing rods that are specific for that, but you could launch just a regular fishing rod and you're going to have a lot of crossover there in terms of demand and and building the brand value and some of those kinds of things. And you're going to get all of the benefits of that. So just because the initial product that you're launching is a quote unquote one time sale, and it's got a lot of the products that we've seen that we thought people would only buy one of, we actually have customers that come back and buy two or three or four because they like it. Sure. Right. And they're going to give it to their friends or they're going to give it to their parents or they're going to give it to somebody else as a gift. And with the products that I'm seeing here, yes, you know, a a lot of them would be something that people would buy probably one time, but they're also going to suggest it to their friends or recommend it to their friends if there's that. Right. And then there's a ton. I mean, barrel lists, seven things in here that are complementary products. So that's seven sales, not one, right? Mm-hmm. We have the potential to sell somebody one person, seven or eight or nine different things. I'm okay with that, right? That's no different to me than them coming back and buying the same thing from me seven times. Would I rather that they buy it for me every month? Absolutely. But I'm okay with selling them, you know, seven things in one sale too. That, that works, right? Right. I, that's 70 bucks. That's right. seven months worth of them giving me, you know, uh, buying my super awesome supplement or whatever, you know, whatever they're going to buy from me every month. Um, I'm okay with that because I'm getting that money up front and then it's my job to say, okay, what's the next thing, right. right? So if they're into kayak bass fishing, then what's the step further? And and you started to go into the example of your son and like the recruiters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're doing like high school basketball, high school football recruitment videos to give to colleges, right? Yep. All sports. So Yeah. So what's kind of the next thing that they could offer? Right. Because that that is a one time sale. You only go from high school to college one time unless you're weird. Um, I I can't imagine a scenario where you wouldn't be doing that. Right. So that's a one time sale. What other services could they offer in that type of a scenario? Is it college to pro? Mm -hmm. Is there something in between there that's important?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot that you can do there because number one, we know that they're into a certain sport, so we can even narrow it into there. Like, so if if we're talking baseball and you, you know, so that we can do it for kids that are into baseball, we can do it into football. So then you can just kind of then start to tailor the next thing for those people at that level that they are. That's just in the sport, go outside the sport. You're like, okay, this person's trying to go, um, you know, go to college to, to play a sport. Okay. Well, they might have SAT, problems, right? to get into a good school. So now you could partner with someone that has SAT stuff or you see what I'm saying like there's other things that could be related and again I'm thinking off the fly here but there's two different areas there. We've got we're going to college and then we've also got that sport so there's, there's thing and, and if you're doing it for like four or five different sports could be volleyball, uh, heck, it could be bowling, could be golf, could be any of these. Um, and then from there, you can start to tailor the message to those kids for, uh, for that sport. And then also for maybe getting better grades to get a, you know, a better scholarship or uh, whatever, right? There's a whole bunch of things that I'm sure you could do moving forward. Well, and that's,
1: that, that comes to developing the entire solution, right? right? We're, we're going to sell the bass fishermen, everything that they need. And some of them are going to take us up on it. Some of them aren't right in the case of something like the, the sports uh, sports highlight reel type people, they have exactly what you just talked about, where their initial service is. I'm going to develop a highlight reel on a website for you so that college coaches can see it. But once you're actually in college or even before that, you, the SAT prep, once you're in college textbooks, uh, they're, they're going to know where you're going to school so they can partner with housing people. Mm-hmm. Right at your school to say, Hey, go check out this really cool condominium and they'll get a commission on that. Right. When you're ready to graduate, they can pass you off to a real sports agency, right? Some of those kinds of things. And we have to think about the the journey of that customer from entering the market until they have everything that they could possibly need. Right. And so if we can do that, yes, there's going to be some things that everybody buys upfront. There's going to be some things that only like the experts, Right. The super duper crazy into it. Bass fisherman might buy some things and that's not going to appeal to everybody. Mm -hmm. And if we can think about that journey of that customer and okay, let's start with where they're entering. Right. Whatever this this four by 10 by one product is, let's say this is the bass fishing net. Well, before they buy a bass fishing net for kayak bass fishing, they also have to have a bass fishing kayak. They might rent it. They might buy it, whatever that is. They're also going to need the little thing that holds them in. They're going to need the holder for the bass fishing net. There's a lot of products that they need before and after they get that one product. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense?
0: Yeah. They need a roof rack, you know, they need straps, like like all that stuff. Like there's a lot that goes into it. Again, you got to think of the journey of that customer. And I think that's that that's, you know, thinking again, long-term versus just thinking about the one-off sale. And then once you can then start to build that email list, which we always talk about, um, then you just start asking yourself what content is going to help them further through this journey. And then we can sprinkle in our products. And now you get to touch them people in more than just one way, as far as like, okay, here's a product to buy, but then here's a product to buy, but also here's how to use it. Or here's some tips on how to do this. And oh, by the way, we were using this. So if you have seven products, You've, you, you can, you can potentially pitch that product to those people on the email list, you know, countless amounts of time, as long as you're wrapping it around with content and all that stuff that we talk about, which again, that's for a whole nother episode, but I just kind of wanted to give you the big overview here of what we think about and especially moving forward. Because Amazon, you know, it's a platform. They're changing all the time. We know that. I think they're going to favor brands more as we move into the future. Um, I mean, look at brand registry right now. You know, brand registry 2.0. It might be 3.0 in, the, in another year. But right now, it's like you have to have a trademark in order to be even accepted into that program. And if you are accepted, I mean, I would say common sense says you're going to have a little bit more of an edge inside of Amazon, right? So there's all of these things that go into it versus just thinking about the one-off sale. Right. So uh, I, I think we did a good job here, Chris, of explaining all of these things and probably gave Beryl a lot of ideas and a lot of things to think about, but I don't want to just give you know her something to think about. I want her to actually do something. So my first thing would be is look at that four by 10 by one product or products and see if that's just the low end and see if it's consistent. And then from there, start to ask yourself, about building that list. And what would you build the list around? Like what part of the market are you going to be serving at first? And then you can expand. Those are the things that I would do like right off the bat, because if you build that asset, that email list, and you get direction of the products you're going to serve, uh, you know, serve to that market, then it becomes easy because now you just have to figure out how to build the email list, which we talk about. And it's pretty easy. You just go out there and get people to raise their hand that are interested by doing a giveaway or a contest or something like that. And then from there, you start to give them content that's helping them through the journey of where they're going. And and you also get to mention your products. And then you get to launch and kind of get some of that that juice from Amazon that says, oh, wow, these guys are selling. Uh, We we might want to pay attention to these guys. Um, And that's pretty much it. That's what I would do right this second. Chris, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah. And
1: I, I just want to throw out something, Scott, that you and I talk about all the time. 10 by 10 by one is not like written in stone tablets. Scott didn't come down with, from a mountain <laughs> with 10 by 10 by one, you know, divinely inspired. It's a guideline, that's right? It's it. <laughs> it, it. it's flexible and it's there so that you know what you're getting, right? If you know you're going to mm-hmm. get four sales a day on average, that's okay. As long as you are cool with that, right? Just know that you're going to make $40 a day and not a hundred dollars a day. As long as you know that going in and you can see that consistently, it's okay. Especially if it's going to be to put your toe into the market, right? If there's those, that room to expand with variations and you can expand into higher volume products later, then I would say it's absolutely worth a test and I wouldn't stop it from getting me started. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the thing I, I think, Scott, that a lot of people get held up on. Product selection is a huge thing where people get stuck.
0: Absolutely. I think getting it's one, of the be- one, one of the biggest
1: getting one under your belt is going to make all of the difference. Mm. <laughs> right. And so if it is a four by 10 by one product and we can feel confident in, in sourcing and launching that product, then go source and launch that product. Right. Just test it and see what happens, and then start to branch out into some of the more competitive type of stuff. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think we can wrap on that. Um, I will let you guys know about the uh, new product discovery 24-hour challenge episode I did, 473. I will link that up in the show notes, or you can just go directly to theamazingseller.com forward slash 473. It's a 24-hour challenge, guys. There's no excuses. You can go out there and do it within 24 hours, and uh, you can really get some I think you can get some ideas to then move on, but also get the right mindset and the framework to move forward through that process. And then the other thing is, is our product discovery bootcamp, which is brand new, something that we're really excited about. And that will be uh depending on when you're listening to that, this will be uh, in beta for the first hundred students. And then from there we will be uh, releasing it to public after we refine things and tweak things. But we are going to be taking you through the entire process Over four weeks that we go through on how to find products, but then more importantly, how to find markets and then decide what products we're going to serve to that market first. And then we also look at validation and all that good stuff. But that's all through this product discovery bootcamp. So definitely go check that out. If it's not open, get on the early list and we'll notify you when it does reopen. And that can be found at productdiscoverybootcamp.com. I'll also link that up on the show notes, which today's show notes will be at TheAmazingSeller.com dot com forward slash four seventy six. So, guys, that is it. That is going to wrap it up. Chris, uh, I want to say thanks for for coming by again, one more time, stopping in on the podcast. You haven't been on in a while.
1: I know. It feels like forever.
0: <laughs> well, here you are. All right, guys. So uh, that is going to wrap it up. Chris is gonna he's gonna do our exit here today. I think with us. Chris, you're gonna right?
1: Uh, well, I mean, now I have to.
0: I know. Put can me on the spot. You, can you do it without coughing? we'll find out. All right, guys, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud. Chris is going to say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Take, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day guys. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode.